0: good morning let's go ahead and take our seats get started we're in chapter 8 of Luke for those who have been here for a while you know we started a study of Luke almost a year ago and uh, we're we're taking highlights from each chapter we uh, then I, I I I taught for about two and a half, three months, and then took a break, and uh, when Charlie was sick, I went back to Luke, covered some more chapters from Luke, and so now we're kind of all over the place in Luke, so what we're going to do is back up, and we're going to cover the chapters that we haven't covered yet, so let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll take a look at chapter 8, verse 1. Father, we thank you for this morning, for your goodness to us. We thank you, Lord, for your your grace, your mercy, your patience, your pursuit. We thank you that we're not left here to guess at what you have to say, but that you've given us your word. And so we ask for your wisdom, Lord, as we look at it together, that you be honored and glorified, that we know your mind, your wisdom, and allowing you to work in our hearts as only you can. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so chapter 8 and verse 1. Soon afterwards, he began going around from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him. So this is a great introduction. Uh, usually what I've done with the study is that we've just taken a small section of each chapter and studied it. But with this particular uh, Study. I thought, well, let's, let's, take, let's take some time and work through this chapter a little bit more than we have the others. And this is a great introduction to the study. The proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. Now, like I said, we've been studying this, so some of you have not been a part of that yet. And what we've done is we've seen the, the book divided up. Uh, the first part of it, the first three chapters, would be the introduction of the Son of Man and the ministry of the Son of Man, and then the rejection of the Son of Man, and then going on to the crucifixion, resurrection of the, of the Son of Man. And we really covered a lot of that, actually all of that in the sermons that I was preaching from the from the last part of it, most of it anyway. And so now we're in the, the second section. I messed up on the chart and I circled the first, but it's the second. We're looking at the ministry of the Son of Man here. So We're we're looking at the the proclamation and the preaching of the kingdom of God. His kingdom. I think often we as Christians want a king much like England has. Not one to rule over us, but one to fit our expectations and to make us feel good about ourselves. At least we conservative evangelicals want that. Uh, We don't really want to be told what to do. Uh, And it's fine to have a king, but we want him to fall in line with us. Uh, Norman Geisler years ago wrote a book entitled Creating God in the Image of Man. Uh, I think it's a struggle that we have. I know it's one that I have. But that's not in agreement with the Lord. And just back a chapter, or two, in chapter six, so two chapters, in verse 46, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Some of you have heard me say before that uh, if you had asked me when I was a young man, who is Jesus Christ to me, I would say, He's my Lord and my Savior. I was taught that, and I knew that was the right answer. He's my Lord and... And my Savior. But if you had asked me then to give a definition of Lord and Savior, you probably would have thought it's more accurate for me to say that Jesus is my Savior and my Savior. (laughs) Because I really did not understand what it meant for Jesus to be Lord. Do we truly understand what it means for Jesus to be our Lord? Do we truly understand what the kingdom of God is? and that it is his kingdom. It's not ours. Now, I got to tell you, I, I never really thought that I would be using Mr. Rogers for a quote, but why not? He was a believer and he said this, I'm fairly convinced that the kingdom of God is for the brokenhearted. You write of powerlessness, join the club. We are not in control, God is. And, you know, I think really that's at the heart of most of our problems is that we we really struggle with coming to terms with the fact that Jesus is in charge. He is the head of all rule and authority, according to Colossians chapter 2. Not us. He doesn't need our help. He doesn't need our opinions. He is in charge. He is Lord. And so we see here that he's proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. Proclaiming, preaching, kingdom of God. When you hear the words proclaim and preach, what do you think of? Certainly speaking. Okay, speaking. Any other thoughts come to mind? Proclaim and preach. Declare. Pardon me? Declare. Declare, okay. Somebody else? Living, okay, living the life, yeah. Okay, it's public, okay, so it's, and that's, that's really, when you look at these words, what I, what, what I was seeing is that, first of all, these words, it's interesting that proclaiming and preaching in the Greek, for the most part, not exclusively, but certainly for the most part throughout Scripture, are interchangeable. Preaching, proclaiming. The word proclaiming um, uh, it's kiriso I'm really surprised I was able to get the artery roll. I have nerve damage, and I thought, in my tongue, I thought I'm not going to be able to do that. So I've been practicing all week, and I was drinking tea, and it was hot, and so I burned my tongue this morning. I thought, this is, this is not going to go good. So I'm not going to attempt it again. I'm just going to say kiriso okay? So that's just a lot easier. I don't have to concentrate on making my tongue roll. But anyway, it means to herald as a public crier. Uh, especially divine truth, the gospel itself, to preach, proclaim, and to publish. Now, the the, the other word, preaching, where we get evangelized, it's avani, oh man, avani aliso That's how you say it, avani alizo. Uh, and it, it means, see the, the similarity in it, to announce good news, to evangelize, to declare, so it's, it's both including it's preaching and it's to, to, to declare, and something that I see in this passage and found in other other references, in Mark sixteen verse fifteen, we read, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach. That's Cariso, where in our passage it's translated proclaim, but here it's translated preach. So that's how close these words are. That preach the gospel to all the nations. In Luke 9, verse 6, departing, they began going throughout the villages, preaching, and that's evangelizio, the gospel, and healing everywhere. And then back to our passage here in verse 1, soon afterwards, he began going around from one city and village to another. Now, I've underlined something that I have found common in these. They're to go throughout all the world and preach, throughout the villages, and preach everywhere, and from one city and village to another. Are you seeing the same thing that I see with this? What is it? Not stationary. That's right, and it's not exclusive. From, go throughout all the world, throughout the villages, everywhere, from one city and village to another. This message was not meant for a select group, are to be kept secret. This op- and I think this observation becomes incredible once we see it within the context of what the message is that's being preached. And it's so easy for us to keep it that way, to keep it exclusive, to keep it a secret, to keep it quiet because it's very comfortable and safe to do that. And I think we all can give testimony to that, to the, the, the struggles we've had with that. Once we had two students at His Hill that approached these girls and asked them if they'd like to go to San Antonio with them, they would take them to the Riverwalk. And the girls' eyes lit up and said, yes. And they were very excited about this. These guys were going to take them out for the evening and a night on the town, take them down to the Riverwalk. They were just excited about this. So they got all dressed up, and the boys picked them up, they drove them into San Antonio, and they found a place to park and walk down to the river. While they're walking together along the river, one of the boys looked at the other and said, this looks like a good spot. And he says, I agree. And one of them jumped up on top of a uh, rock wall and just started preaching the gospel right there. And they said the girls looked at each other and they looked at them, they, what are you doing? And they were just horrified. They couldn't believe this was happening. And when he was finished, the other one jumped up and he preached. what, What they were learning What they were profiting in, they saw as not being just for them in private up at his hill. But this was good news and that they needed to share it with others. We had another group of students just a few years ago that were under the same conviction. They got together in one of the rooms, they prayed, they got in their car and they drove to Bernie. They went to Walmart and they, I mean, staff had nothing to do with this. This was just what the Lord was doing in their heart. And they started walking around the parking lot looking for people they could help grab their cart, push it for them, get their stuff out, help them load the trucks up and then start to talk to them about Jesus. The next weekend they decided, let's do it again. They went to H-E-B and they went to Walmart and they just, 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 every weekend they'd pray together and then go to one of the parking lots and just start telling people about Jesus. They were profiting where they were, they were encouraged in what they were hearing, but they didn't see it as something to be kept secret. I wonder, you know, How many times do we keep it secret? You know, when we're at work. Sometimes when we're dealing with the waitress. You know, there's so many opportunities that this to to be proclaiming this is not to be kept secret. Any thoughts with that? No, it isn't, is it? You know it's and I think so often that's what we keep waiting for—for for this life of faith to be easy, trusting Jesus to be easy. You know, and you know, Jesus would say it wasn't easy for Him. Yeah. It does. It does take a lot. You know, just on a, just practical things, I have found it really, really. When you're, I was. I've watched others do this. And so, you know, I've really been challenged by it. And so I've, I've tried to make a point of it as myself. But when, when the waitress or the waiter comes to you to, you know, just start talking to them. You know, they're, they're more than, you know, they're more than willing to respond to questions. And after you've built a little bit of a rapport, you know, just simply ask them, you know, where do you go to church? You know, and that, that opens up things too. And, and it's, been, it's been interesting to, to, to be in those conversations, um, I, I know that, you know, the six years I was gone, you know, it's easy for me to talk like this, right? Because I get to teach at his hill, I get to preach, it's easy for me to say these things. But, uh, you know, those six years that we were gone, it was a challenge for me. And so I, I thought, okay, where am I? What's going on? Well, I'm on job sites. Well, this is really different. And I found that people were willing to talk about these things. A lot, a lot more willing than we give them credit for. And it was interesting to have people come up to me and ask me to pray for them uh, and, and to, to go out to lunch and just talk with them about some things. But anyway, just a thought there that I see that you know this, this message, this preaching and proclaiming is not to be kept quiet. It's not to be a secret. So what is the message that he was proclaiming? What is the message he was preaching? In our verse here, Verse one, what is he preaching? What is he proclaiming? Okay, the kingdom of God. I, for, you know, I really have appreciated this study. It's, it has solidified some things for me uh, for years. You know, you hear about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. What is a common misunderstanding that you've heard Maybe there's different things, but what are some things that you've heard about the kingdom of God that, yeah, that's, that's close or that's true, but that's not a complete understanding of it? Any ideas? Okay. The kingdom of God is something that we can look forward to. All right. That's true. Is that, is that everything the kingdom of God is? Okay, what else? Okay, how we live our life. How so? What do you mean by that? Okay, okay. So living according to what's true of the kingdom of God. Okay. And Stella, did you say something? I did, but I don't remember we often think the kingdom of God is something that we can only look forward to and yes we can look forward to it but there's there's more there I okay okay it's worship of God okay all right um, Frederick Beckner once has said this and he's if you've read any of his stuff uh, he's, he's been around for a long time. He's 95 and still, um, and still active. But he once said this, if we only had eyes to see and ears to hear and wits to understand, we would know that the kingdom of God in the sense of holiness, goodness, beauty is as close as breathing, is crying out to be born both within ourselves and within the world we would know that the kingdom of God is what we, all of us, hunger for above all other things, even when we don't know its name or realize that it's what we're starving to death for. The kingdom of God is where our best dreams come from and our truest prayers. We glimpse it at those moments when we find ourselves being better than we are and wiser than we know. We catch sight of it when, at some moment of crisis, strength seems to come to us that is greater than our own strength. The kingdom of God is where we belong, it is home. And whether we realize it or not, I think we are, are all homesick for it. I thought that was well said. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God, according to Utley, refers to the reign of God now in man's hearts that will one day be consummated in God's reign over all the earth. This is the focal message of Jesus' ministry. And he goes on and he used uh, Matthew 6.10, which I have on the screen, where Jesus is pre- our teaching how to pray. Your kingdom comes your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He is in charge and we are not. This is his kingdom. In verse 13 of Matthew 6, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In Romans chapter 14, and verse 17, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It is, we see from this that it is the kingdom of God is present tense. It is the righteousness of God. It is the peace of God. It is the joy of God, all found in His Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 4, verse 20, For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. So we find as we're putting these verses together that the righteousness of God and the peace of God and the joy of God found in His Holy Spirit does not consist in words, but in power. Though the power can produce words, the kingdom of God is not in words. So often words are as far as Christians will go. You know, the right doctrine. And that's as far as we'll go. To think the right things, to say the right things, but that's as far as we'll go. And we'll fight over those things. We will argue about those things, but those words and those things, the right words, the right doctrine, so often can become our life and not Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.24 says this, So, But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, the power of God and the wisdom of God. We see in verse 20 of chapter 4 in 1 Corinthians that the kingdom of God consists in power. In chapter 1, verse 24, we see that Christ is the power of God. So, what do we find? That power is not something, but someone. Turn with me to Acts chapter 3. Chapter 3 Peter and John are on their way to the temple to pray, and they meet the lame man. He's healed. Peter preaches. Thousands come to Christ. They are, are arrested. Not so much for the healing, but because they're preaching resurrection. And then we find in verse 7, they have their chance to plead their case. They're brought before the religious leadership. When they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, by what power or in what name have you done this? So we find that the name is the power. You ever wonder why we say at the end of our prayers in Jesus' name? It's by the power of Jesus. So by what name and in what, you know, what power do you do this? Look at verse 10. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands before, here before you in good health. It is by the power of Jesus. It is the name of of Jesus. It's Jesus. In verse 18, and when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Chapter four. I started in chapter three looking at it. I'm sorry. Thank you. In chapter uh, chapter four, in verse 18, they tell them, stop preaching in the name of Jesus. Their response, verse 20, we cannot stop speaking. And I've often thought that to really understand what they're saying is that you might as well tell me to stop breathing because you know this, this is my power, this is my life, Jesus himself. So then, we, it just to, to follow on in verse 29, they understand that in order for this to be a reality, it's not by them bearing down, being determined in themselves that they're going to keep speaking, but they know that it's only by God's activity in them that this is a reality. So in verse 29, and now, Lord, so they're praying with the church, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. The power is Christ himself. It's not him giving us something for us to use for him, but it is literally him. Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, I strive according to his power, which mightily works within me. So the power is not something but someone. This is his kingdom. This is Christ. Had a camper once, not once, uh, just recently, uh, this last summer, she comes up to me after one of the chapels and wanted to talk. She was a new believer and she had some questions. So we went through some of it. And then uh, we ended up developing a relationship. She called me uh, just a couple of months ago and she asked if I would baptize her. And I said, I absolutely would love to. So Arlena and I met her and her parents uh, a little bit between here and well, between here and, and San Antonio. We had a great conversation and a good visit. And uh, so we, we've been looking for a date and yesterday we, we settled date for yesterday, baptized her in the pool yesterday, coldest day of the fall. I remember telling her when this all started, I said, look, are you sure you want to do it then? Because it, it could be pretty cold. Oh, no, we're going to do it. And I thought, okay, we're going to do it. And it was 30, I think it was 30, so it was like 34 yesterday morning in comfort. And that was, it, it, my feet, it was interesting. It was,
1: <laughs>
0: I'm finding I can't handle it at 55 as well as I could at 35. But uh, it took two showers to get my feet feeling right again. But, uh we, she, she and I had a conversation this week just in preparation for the baptism. And uh, she wanted to ask me some questions. So we went, I thought it was all going to be on baptism. So we went ahead and we had our conversation. We went through all the, the procedures and let her know what, how it's going to work and everything. And then she says, okay, now, can I ask you some other questions? I thought, oh, okay. And she said, My, she goes to a, a private Christian school. My Bible teacher is teaching us something and I don't agree with it. And I know that sounds horrible. I'm thinking, no, it doesn't sound horrible. It's you know, I'm, I'm glad you're thinking. It's okay, you know. It's, it's ask the questions. And I won't tell you what he was teaching because if I do, that might shut people off for the rest of the, the rest of the class. So I won't do that. But this is what he was doing. He's teaching a certain doctrinal stance, and he's telling these kids that this is right. Everything else is wrong. And it's one of those arguments. It's a big argument within the church. You know, there's different thoughts on it. And I thought, my goodness, you're telling this 15-year-old that she, she cannot even consider something else. And so uh, this is what I told her. I said, look, here's some, here's some other verses to look at. If you're interested, here's a book that you can read. But here's what I really want you to hear from me. If what we're talking about, and I also said, my guess is that this teacher is a very young man. And she said, oh yes, he is extremely young. I said, you know, that makes sense because this is the cool thing to teach right now. And a lot of people coming out of Bible colleges and the seminaries are really stuck on this because this is the, the, the cool thing. So, this, this is what I encourage you with. No matter what we're talking about, if what we're saying doesn't lead us to and leave us with Christ, then what we're saying is not worth saying. If what we're saying doesn't lead us to Christ and leave us with Christ, then it's not worth saying. Any thoughts with that? I'm not going to say anything different
1: than what you said. Uh, I'm not going to say anything new. I'm just going to say, say it a different way, maybe. Okay. But, but I remember a few years back, I would, I would read the kingdom, and I'd go, you know, it, it was kind of something I glossed over probably. Yeah. And then finally, really looking at it, kingdom, kingdom, what is that kingdom? you can't have a kingdom without a king. Mm. And so, it, you know, you say to me, person's kingdom to me i think of realm i think of an area i think of a a place you know and and i forget oftentimes that there's a
0: king and that without the king none of the rest of it matters there's not a kingdom without a king and so there's just chaos
1: Area or realm or whatever, versus kingdom means there's a king. Mm-hmm. And so trying to adjust my thinking to if I, I'm not thinking about the king, then I'm not really thinking about the kingdom. And to go further, there are subjects, right? Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And without subjects, there's really no king.
0: Right. So. Good. Excuse me. Yes. I'm going to read a couple of verses. Please. Can I get that passage again from you? Chapter, one, Ephesians, Chapter Ephesians one, beginning in verse eighteen.
1: which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority. Uh, I came across the story of George Mueller. He was on a ship heading for Canada, one of the cities of Canada. He was to be there on Saturday morning, and the boat had come to a halt in the ocean. The captain was up on the bow of the ship watching for icebergs, and the ship was going at a very slow rate of speed, and George walked up, walked up to the the captain and, and explained to him, I have to be in Canada, and he named the city, by Saturday morning. That was only about three days away, and the captain said, are you crazy? We can't even move. There's icebergs out there and I'm not going to let the ship hit the icebergs and go to the bottom. And so George said, well, let's go down into the, one of the rooms and pray. So they went down to pray and, and Mueller asked him to pray first and he started praying and then Mueller stopped him and said, You don't believe what you're asking for, so you're wasting your time. Mm -hmm. And so then George prayed. And then he said to the captain, "Look and see if anything has changed. The captain went up, and the sky was totally clear, totally (laughs) clear. And it changed in a matter of minutes. And that was a power that God put in yours, God wants to put in all of his children's
0: Hmm. lives. And we fail to understand. We fail to understand. I I, I agree because we so often. I want to. How can I say this? We. we, Go ahead, yeah. It is. It's a simple thing, but not an easy thing. And I, I, so often what I was thinking is so often we don't go beyond our own capability in trusting Christ. And we're, we're missing out on all that He is for His glory. That's what we were created for. You know, to show Him. And So what are are we saying? What are we proclaiming? What are we preaching? Let's turn to Matthew chapter 21. As we go on and we look at this chapter in Luke, we're going to find that Jesus was busy preaching and proclaiming. But as we look at this chapter, we're going to find that he was preaching and proclaiming not only in what he was saying with words, but in how he was living, the things he was doing the kingdom of god was being seen what are we saying what are we doing in chapter 21 of matthew in verse 28 familiar passage to us but what do you think jesus says a man had two sons and he came to the first and he said son go work today in the vineyard and he said i will not but afterward he regretted it and he went the man came to the second and said the same thing and he answered i will sir But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of the father? They said, the first. And Jesus said to them, truly I say to you that the tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you. Proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. What are we saying with our words and with our actions? What are we proclaiming? What are we preaching? You know, often we hear people say, well, you know, it's it's, it's not my gifting to speak, so I'm just going to live it. Boy, do do you mean what you're saying? Are we proclaiming, are we preaching the kingdom of God? Is the kingdom of God heard and seen in us? Is Jesus our King, heard and seen through us? Preaching, proclaiming, or proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. Any other thoughts? Mm. So, okay. Okay. So your your proclaiming comes from a, a knowledge, a knowing, an experience of truth. Okay. Any other thoughts?
1: by work. I Okay.
0: Okay, well, we'll spend a few weeks here in this chapter. Uh, next week, I'm not here, so uh, Jack's going to be back. And then I'll be back the following week, and we'll work through this chapter. Let's pray together. Uh, Porter, would you lead us, please, sir? Amen. Thank you, guys.